Hello, welcome to Speeches I've been murmuring, the Speech and Memory Service podcast by me, Chris Wade, Speech and Memory Service. So, it's just been after two weeks off, uh, not a full two weeks off for me, because I, I genuinely can't. Um, one, because of workload, and two, because having four children at home is tiring. Um, today's podcast is going to be, um, it's going to be kind of talking about, kind of, being a parent of, of four, um, and the trials and tribulations of of half term, and I, I I think from moving from one child to two children to three children to four children, I don't think it got any more difficult. I genuinely don't. I just think it got. Um, I'd say it, probably the word is more tiring. Um, so in a sense, kind of having to spread yourself across four children um, and I think me and Nia when we when we kind of committed to having another child and another child and another child um, it was it wasn't a difficult decision because you can see what you've created you're like oh my god look how amazing they are um, and you see how much you love them and and then you think well why the hell wouldn't we do it again why the hell wouldn't we do it again and then again um and they all come with their own kind of amazing strengths, and they bring a lot to um, to us, to, to kind of us and the family. And um, but then they also come with uh, with challenges as well. It's like God is that saying? Um, and it's it's um, I, mean, I I wouldn't change anything for the world, um, but it, it is incredibly tiring. Um, and we can't see with two-year-old who still doesn't sleep through the night properly um, and there's still a bit of co-sleeping going on I'm currently we've got a, an extendable Ikea bed so I usually sleep for two to three hours in Etta's bed um, alongside her she's got a tiny little duvet I've got my double duvet on the top of his both um, in order to keep her sane in her bed rather than her getting in and out of bed um, and Coming into our bed, we managed to get her to stay in her bed, which is wonderful. Um, Oshan's great; he sleeps through now, um, but he's he's just turned four, and he's kind of hitting that point of where the testosterone. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Whether it doubles and doubles and doubles, or whether it's there's just a massive surge in testosterone. Um, <clears throat> so, from a behaviour perspective, it's become kind of more challenging at times in terms of when he uh, he's got a real difficulty with stopping doing things that he likes doing which is oh god he's a kid um and you'll often find me um or near kind of carrying him away from things that he loves um and him screaming and usually kind of thrashing out um because he's so frustrated he wants to carry on doing what he wants to do um I have to keep reminding myself that he's he's only just four. Um, he's only at nursery. And he's not even full time in nursery in terms of state school. Um, and I have to keep reminding myself because uh, because his language levels are just so high, um, and you can have a full on conversation with him about pretty much everything. Um, and and therefore, I think I expect too much of him from a behaviour perspective, from a um, kind of emotional regulation perspective, uh, and I have to keep reminding myself and be reminded by Nia, look, he's, 
years old before he's tidy. Um, and and therefore kind of not reduce my expectations, but kind of allow him a lot more kind of wiggle room. Um, so that's where we are with Osh. Um, he's, he's, I refer to him as the little prince because he's, he's just hilarious. Um, and he's a bundle of energy. He's definitely going to be, you mark my words, he will definitely be into sport, like heavily into sport. <laughs> um, it's really interesting how all four children have called completely different because the next child is Tom, seven years old now, Tom. And Tom, um, we've just been on rugby tour as a family. We went to Devon with his rugby team and he was livid, like bottom lip shaking, did not want to go rugby tour at all because he doesn't like playing rugby. And he said, look, that is the playing that, uh, that counts. It's the taking part that counts, not the winning. Um, he doesn't like breaking a sweat. He doesn't like to. He's not that bothered about um, contributing, just kind of being part of the team. Um, he's like, Dad, I'm a gamer. I am a gamer. Um, and I'm not in, I'm not into this. But we, we are persevering. Um, we're going to keep pushing because I think it's important to him to have um, a hobby outside of just watching YouTube and playing games on his console. Um, and it's, it's, high, it's hard because we're kind of going, going up against him um, to kind of push him. And we don't, we're not, we don't, we're not, I don't want to be a pushy parent. I don't expect him to be a professional rugby player. I don't expect anything like that. I just want him to have the opportunities that I didn't have as a child where I quit things or I didn't start things early enough and I absolutely adored rugby and, and when we looked around uh, at tour there was I think there was about we took four teams so there were about 300 of us on tour in total it was huge um, no it can't be 140 from our team um, and a lot of the children were upset they didn't want to play and I just and then a lot of them were really really wanting to play and absolutely loving it. Um, and Tom was upset, but he just played. Some children wouldn't get on the pitch and were crying. And um, so we're going to persevere with him. We're going to see if we can just keep pushing him a little to play. I think it's good to learn team sports. Um, he can be quiet. When I look at him at home, um, Oshan's the child, Anetta's the child that wants to be around you all the time. Tom's a child that wants to be by himself, and he'll find the smallest cubby hole, uh, take his little new neck pillow thing, um, and squash himself with a blanket and his console. And that could be literally anywhere. It could be in a cupboard. Could be in his bed. Could be um, between the bed, uh, between the bed and the cupboard. It could be anywhere that's quiet. And he finds a quiet spot, and that's his spot for the day. And he would literally be a troll if they're there for the whole time. But he's he often seeks kind of, um, he's, he's a lovely little boy, but he's, and he seeks these kind of socially isolated um, kind of experiences. And I just think he's like, doing things like rugby um, are going to help him in terms of um, developing kind of, kind of social attraction, social communication. Um, and it just extends him outside of just doing what he likes doing and we have to we have to I feel, I feel as a parent that some um a lot of we a lot of what we have to do is kind of provide experiences and those ex children might not want to do what you think is best for them um 
and I think that's the, the tough part of being a parent and, and not just allowing children just to do what they want to do um, because we, we it's not like I know we don't we don't know better but I think he's not aware of what he might like and there's a lot of children um, kind of friends children friends of friends that have um, been kind of kind of repeatedly taken to sporting events and eventually they've just taken it on and they've actually enjoyed it and most of Tom's friends play rugby and so when he goes to school all of his friends are actually in the same team so we think by <coughs> persevering um, which is easy to do in the summer but then the bloody tournament finishes uh, we've got a prize given and then it starts again in the winter which is or in the autumn um, so we're just going to play by ear, but I, I would like to persevere with, with kind of a sport. He is into taekwondo. Um, again, it's quite it's not a team thing, um, and he's uh, getting into kickboxing soon as well because we want him and Oshan to do kickboxing together. Oshan is a young MMA fighter, if I've ever seen one. Um, he's, he, he he mimics Spider Man, but I, uh, but his sporting prowess is just peculiar coming from me um, and me and Nia and neither of us have got it whatsoever and our last one is Izzy um, Izzy is uh, an absolute joy um, and she's nine years old now um, she's she's kind of one of the one of the kind of catalysts for me pushing myself as a speech and therapist because when Izzy was born um but around that time Izzy was born, I was pushing myself from a business perspective, but I actually started to realise that I had to do more, and we had to do more as a family in order to make sure we could provide for them, or I could provide for them. And therefore, during, during those first few months of her life, yes, I was around, but I spent a lot of time abroad um, and trying to carve out the future for us. Um, <clears throat> And it's difficult because I, I do feel like I missed out quite a lot, but I felt I was there. More, probably more, there more than, than a lot of kind of parents or fathers um, who work. But I, um, I, I, I don't need reminding. I was, in, I was outside of the country a hell of a lot for those kind of first few years. I've not been out of the country for two and a half, three years now from a, from a work perspective. Whereas I was doing two-week blocks, one-week blocks, days here and there, um, but travelling a lot, um, and I've stopped doing it. Uh, so I'm not just stopped doing it for COVID; I've stopped doing it just full stop. Um, and I feel like the other children probably benefit from that consistency, and it's all kind of um, kind of not maybe suffered from the lack of me being there all the time. Um, and Izzy's um, Izzy currently doesn't have any hobbies outside of what she absolutely loves doing, which is she's so amazingly creative. Um, so um, she's a fantastic drawer. Um, she's, she's an absolute entrepreneur uh, in the way that her mind works. How can I make money out of absolutely everything? How can I, if I do X, do I get Y? If I do, uh, if I do X twice, can I get Y twice? Uh, making bracelets for friends, or for parents or friends to give to their children and selling them and all this. So she's really like, I think she's got, um, she's absolutely fantastic. She's a like, very, very bright little girl um, and really struggling at the moment in terms of getting into school. Um, and where we are, we're working out. And I'm saying, I keep saying to her, look, where, because it is so hard as parents, 
knowing you need to get your children into school because that's what the norm is um, and knowing that it's a it's a challenge especially when there's been a break so we've had a break for um what two weeks of half term we had yesterday off as well because we traveled back we didn't want to be absolutely shattered for school and then today was an absolute i didn't i was a nightmare there's been worse days but today was a real challenge of kind of playing good cop good cop <coughs> trying a bit of good cop bad cop and then trying to work out okay how do we get to go into school um so so yeah we managed to get her into school today um and i'm i'm learning a lot so it's strange because the vast majority of children that i'm assessing right now and are children that do not attend the placement at the moment because the placement's not not um appropriate and because of kind of um declining mental health etc and that's and we kind of not living that totally at home but having kind of windows of real challenges um let's say um and that's where kind of listening to parents and learning from the parents of children that i work with and seeing what have they done how how has it worked well for them um i think is really important um having children has really helped me i don't think you don't have to have children to be a good clinician at all um, you can have children be a bad clinician, for example. But having children for me has really, really helped. Um, and and having children that are so very different from each other, because seeing kind of the this kind of the social interaction, social communication difficulties at times, seeing the the difficulties with school attendance, um, attending assessments with other clinicians with your own children, um, and I think it's it's really thrown me back into okay. Um, this is how parents experience what I provide as a service um, and this is how parents hang on every single word when, when you're in, a, in an appointment because that's what we've done um, and um, when, I, when I'm a parent I'm just a parent when I'm a clinician I'm a clinician and it's so hard to be both at the same time when you're talking about the same things um, when you're talking about kind of levels of and I, I, I levels is that the right word when you talk about neurodiversity um it's it's easy for me to do that in my day job um because that's what i live i live it in my day job but we live it at home as well um and that's that's where it's interesting because we hear this oh they're fine or she's fine or he's fine um and then we have the opposite and that from from school for, for example and then we have real challenges um at times at home um so it's it, i just find it i the kind of the feedback i get from parents i, I often echoes um with regards to our own family life i know this is very common within speech therapy and speech therapists families i know lots of speech therapists who are parents of children with ADHD, with ASD, with dyslexia, with um, language disorders, etc. So I know it's very common and it's kind of where I feel that we, speech therapy is a, a bit of a call in this, um, like teaching us, like you, you, end, you don't just end up being a speech therapist because it's not the job that people really know about. Um, 
and that's why when people talk to me about it, when they're in, I talked to a teacher this weekend um, um, who's interested in doing speech therapy, and I'd had quite a bit to drink. This is rugby talk. I'd I'd had a few shots. <laughs> um, I'd had a few pints, and I literally sobered up and sat there for about. And I said, "Look, you need to sit down. I am going to talk your ears off now." And then literally half an hour of me chatting about speech therapy, asking questions, finding out about their interests, finding out, working out based on their interests, which aspects of speech therapy might be perfect for them. Um, because that's my obsession. <laughs> um, and I've always kind of described myself as, a, as an enabler. I'm, I'm good with supporting people to work out careers, and I don't always set their into speech therapy. But I'd love to, um, when I... And finally, kind of look at retiring, move into that type of role. Um, so I go into schools and go into colleges and um, help um, children to really understand what their strengths and what their um, kind of their superpowers are, in order to work out what sort of role could be cool for them for their future. Um, and I think I'd like to do that with with children and adolescents. Uh, but young adults that have additional needs. Actually, you know, my, my, the way my brain is working right now, I'm thinking, right, how do I do this right now? How do I have this as an additional service? Um, and just go into colleges and, but I, I don't know, my mind's going to fire off and that's the rest of the day. Right, um, I'm just turning up to my first appointment. It is an observation of a young autistic little one that I assessed quite a few weeks ago at home. It's for an appeal. I said I went to go to school and see them there. Um, after that, I've got a appeal assessment, I think about an hour and a half away. And then to close off my day, I have a therapy session with a teeny tiny little one in nursery. Um, we're working on joint attention skills, working on requesting, uh, working on um, noticing people in the room and kind of reacting to what they're doing. Um, so um, have a fantastic day. It's Tuesday, the last week of April. I uh, can't believe it's going to be May soon. Uh, speak to you soon. I'll not speak to you. Uh, I'll speak at you soon. Take care. Bye.